Old Testament reading comes to us from Psalm, chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. The earth is the Lord's, and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it, for he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Our New Testament reading is taken from the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, written by the Apostle Paul to the church of Jesus Christ in Corinth. Now, it is not necessary for me to write you about the ministry to the saints, For I know your eagerness, which is the subject of my boasting about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. Your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you may not prove to have been empty in this case, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you in this undertaking. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for this bountiful gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a voluntary gift and not as an extortion. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Great God, give us your spirit of discernment that we may understand your word for us this day, and may we be comforted as well as encouraged and motivated to be your disciples. Amen. So for those of you who may not be aware, uh, I'm a military veteran and I'm a member of the VFW, which means Veterans of Foreign Wars. As a member of the VFW, I am required to pay annual dues to that organization to remain a member. And usually once a year I get an email or a letter reminding me of what I owe. And by paying my dues, 
Then I'm able to participate in the various activities of the VFW and take advantage of the certain benefits that are available. Now these dues, they go to fray the costs for that organization. You know, there's a building that requires maintenance. They have heating bills and electric bills and equipment that needs to be repaired, and those annual dues go to help pay for these things. During this time of the year, as we make plans for the future here with this congregation, how we will financially be able to support it, we might be inclined to think in a similar kind of way. You know, the church needs money to operate. So it makes sense that, you know, if you are going to be a member here of this congregation, then you have to pay your dues to keep the organization going. There are salaries to pay. There is a building to maintain. There are services for the church to render. And so, you know, we have this tendency, I think, that, uh, you know, to think of Commitment Sunday uh, as we gather with our, our pledge forms is that day that we prepare to pay our annual dues. However, that's not the way the Bible talks about financial giving as it relates to the church. The Apostle Paul, when he was planting churches all over the Mediterranean world, the various places that he visited, he would appeal to the churches that had been longer established to give their treasure to support the new ministries that he was establishing in various places. And that's what you hear Paul talking about in his letter to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, he's asking the Christian church in Corinth to help support the Christian church in Jerusalem. And he applauds the members of the church in Corinth for their generosity. He says, I'm sending the brothers in order that my boasting about you will not prove to be empty. I urge them to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for this bountiful gift. But you'll notice he doesn't specify the amount. Rather, Paul says this, Each of you must give as you have made up your mind. Now, there's no fee involved. It was up to each individual, you know, what that amount was going to be. There's no membership fee here for the Rocky River Presbyterian Church. There are no annual dues that uh, which people are expected to pay. Instead, we echo the sentiment of the Apostle Paul from Corinthians. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind. And that's because our giving is not based on our relationship with a church organization. It has to do with our relationship with Jesus. And so when we are considering what it is that, you know, we are supposed to give, we have to ask the question, how much did Jesus give? If we wonder about how much financial sacrifice that, you know, we are to make for the church, we have to ask what kind of sacrifice did Jesus make? Christ is the model of the obedient and sacrificial life. And that has to be our starting point. And that is what must motivate our actions. 
Ultimately, our giving is not about this. While it's helpful to know what the anticipated costs are going to be for the following year, how you can do your part in helping meeting those expenses, the great motivator for your giving truly must be this. Who Jesus is to you. And how much do we make him a priority in our everyday realities of life? You know, our money and the way we spend our money is a reflection of what is important to us. And when you look at your expenses that you have paid out during the course of the year, these are expressions of what are of value to you. And I know sometimes when I'm looking at my bank statements uh, throughout the course of the year, I have to check myself. Do these match up with my faith priorities? To what degree do they match up? I remember not long after my wife Joyce and I got married, and we were just out of seminary, and like many newlyweds, we were trying to get our arms around you know, finances and what that was all about, organizing them, paying off bills, student loans, and coming to terms with the fact that we didn't have much. And it would have been so easy for us to say, you know, God would understand if we kind of postpone our giving until we have a stage in life where we're able to give a lot more. Maybe when we get to that point, we'll be more financially stable, and and then that will be the time. But then we would do, when we would do an honest assessment of our spending, and we would find ourselves saying, you know, did we really need to buy that new piece of furniture right now? Or is it urgent for us to be getting that new car? Is that something that could be postponed for another year? Maybe that's money that we could give to our churches. And that's when we decided, she and I, to be disciplined about our spending, about what was available to us, what were going to be our priorities, what were we willing to sacrifice to meet them. When deciding how much we are to give for the sake of God's purpose, sacrifice needs to inform the decision. Each of us must determine what that sacrifice means. You know, the Bible talks about, you know, the, the, the tithe as a standard, 10% of income. In the Old Testament, that was, you know, the, one of the requirements that God put on his people. And one of the distinguishing marks of those, uh, of his people is that people were to tithe their, not just their money, but their crops and, 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 and other belongings that they have and offer them at the temple of the Lord. Tithing was one of the defining marks of what it meant to be God's people. I still think that's a worthy goal for us to strive for. But if you look at the New Testament, you don't see them using the word tithe. Rather, the word, when it comes to our giving that is lifted up, is the word sacrifice. You know, you don't hear Paul exhorting his followers to tithe. Rather, he says, make a sacrifice for an abundant gift. What is that sacrifice? Well, it's what you decide. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind. The question you must ask yourself really is this. What sacrifice might God be calling you to 
right now. You know, one of the reasons that we have these pledge forms that we give to you as members of the church is so that you can set a goal for what that sacrifice is for you in the coming year. And then you can make a plan on how you meet that goal. You know, it's not that the church uses this against you. It's between you and your maker. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind. Our giving is a statement about who owns us. Ownership. That's something we really prize here in this country. As citizens of the United States, we have the right to buy things, a house, to own land, as well as other possessions. Ownership is one of those essential freedoms that we as Americans are granted as our privileges. And just as we have the right to vote for our government officials and are permitted to worship as we choose and have freedom of speech, we are also free to pursue a job that pays us and then we're free to spend that money as we would like to spend it. The idea is that if you work hard enough and you invest yourself in the right training and the education, then the reward is you prosper and you can buy whatever you want and take ownership of those things you buy. And then we say, well, okay, I'll carve out a portion of those things that I own and and I'll, I'll give that to God, but the rest is mine. But that's not really the biblical stewardship understanding. Because everything is God's portion. You know, the psalmist says this, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it, And so the question is, how are we going to be a steward of what we have been given and what's been available, is available to us? You know, God, the master, he says, he says to us, I don't care about what the quantity is that is available to you. I want to know what are you going to do with whatever that quantity may be? You know, a steward is a caretaker of somebody else's property or belongings. One is entrusted with caring for the belongings of another if you are a steward. And so we, as God's steward, are the caretakers of what God has entrusted with what he already owns. And as a follower of Jesus, I have to acknowledge this. I don't even own myself. God is the one who owns me. And you know, thank God for that. Now, thank God that he doesn't just leave us to our own devices. I'm reminded of a story I read about a Christian college board of trustees, which was meeting with a consultant about you know, what their direction and objectives were going to be in the following year. And the consultant said to them, the college needs to focus on helping young people become adults. And one of the members of the board, who also happened to be a pastor, looked at the consultant and said, what do you mean by that? And the consultant straightened his back and he looked at the questioner and he said, well, you know what I mean, uh, what an adult is, someone who is autonomous, somebody who is liberated, capable of standing on his or her own feet without the help of anyone. And the preacher said, well, that's exactly what I thought you meant. And there are people in my congregation who have that very same mindset and are in big trouble. 
The gospel reminds us that we can only be as strong when we are leaning on the everlasting arms of the one who created us and claimed us as his own. And that's the affirmation that makes us unique as the church. The church is different from other organizations and institutions, and our giving should reflect that. You know, the VFW is a good organization because of the services that it's able to provide for veterans, uh, along with other organizations like the American Legion, where I'm also a member, you know, the Red Cross and the United Way. But the church is unique because of what it alone offers, and that is Jesus and the mission that Jesus gives his followers. To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, here we proclaim the message and we live the message that even as everything else passes away, Christ is forever. Here we proclaim that even as we may lose hope in the institutions of the world, even as kingdoms may rise and fall, that the hope we have in Christ is something which can never be defeated. The mission of the church is fundamentally about what the world cannot offer. And when these convictions become real, that's when our giving can become a liberating experience. It becomes a joy. You know, I, I used to have in the mindset that, you know, that, that giving had to be a sacrifice, therefore you had to, you had to give until it hurt. But stewardship in its best sense is when we can give until it feels good. That's what Paul says. Each one must give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Our giving should be a joyful response to what God has freely given to us. The abundance that we have received should prompt us to give back with abundance. The root of our stewardship is gratitude. So, are you ready to pay your dues at the Rocky River Presbyterian Church? It's the wrong question. The real question is, what have you made up your mind to give in accordance to what God has given to you? Amen. Now to him who by the power